Hello and welcome to Chick Flicks. I'm Mackenzie Chapman. And I'm Bridget Hovell, and today we are talking about two Studio Ghibli films, Howl's Moving Castle and Spirited Away. But first, let's catch up. What are you into, Bridget? Oh, so I started off the new year by buying myself a lot of books that have been on my reading list for a while, and I'm really excited to finally get around to reading them. Um, The first is... Disability Visibility, which is a collection edited by Alice Wong, who is a activist and writer. Um, it's a collection of essays by disabled people, and um, I'm really enjoying reading it so far. It's um, kind of like a huge variety, and the breadth of different experiences represented is really cool and eye-opening for me to read, and um, it's something I've been thinking about a lot especially in this past week of news. Um, Mm. You know, I think, not to get, like, too political, but, um, (laughs) you know, like, some of the uh, ADAPT activists that are referenced in this essay collection, you know, were once, like, forcibly removed from the Capitol by Capitol Police, you know, for protesting um, better health care and treatment. Uh, So just crazy to think about. Really recommend. I'm also reading this book called Ghost Story by Peter Straub, who is basically... Stephen King's bestie and it's really hard not to compare him to Stephen King (laughs) because they are extreme I mean I've only read this is the only Peter Straub book I've read but it's extremely similar to a Stephen King book down to the um the author stand-in like there's a handsome young writer who comes to town who has to like solve a supernatural mystery which is a big Stephen King trope there's always like a a writer type Um, But it had been described to me several times as, like, one of the scariest books ever. And so I'm, like, maybe, like, 75% done with it. And I still kind of have no idea where it's headed or where what's going on. But it is pretty scary. Like, I read it right before bed, and I'm always like, oh, Tim, this book is scary. Uh, I think it would, like, be really well adapted into, like, a Netflix miniseries, kind of like The Haunting of Bly Manor or whatever. Yeah. It's pretty scary, but I will say the women in it are so underwritten that it's also like a hallmark of its time and also very Stephen (laughs) King-like that all of the women are either literally like an old woman or like a sexy young woman. (laughs) And there's really no in-between and they're described in like such weird terms. Uh, So that's been fun to read. And then really like the last thing that I've been super grooving to recently is I have been... Uh, you know, for the past several months working from home and able to kind of listen to podcasts and music while I work. And this past week, I have just been nonstop listening to Bruce Springsteen. And I don't know what it is about Bruce, particularly, that has calmed me during this turmoil Mm -hmm. Uh, in the country. I don't even think it's particularly like Bruce Springsteen's kind of like middle ground liberal politics but more like Bruce Springsteen reminds me of home and you know uh, so I've been really enjoying Nebraska particularly the album by him so what about you Ken's what has been your new year pop culture consumption um so like everyone else I watched Bridgerton uh on Netflix the new Netflix show by Shonda Rhimes um which is a period drama like plus uh Shonda Rhimes so like a sexy period drama Um, (laughs) um and you know there are some points where I like have 
some issues with it, but overall, I thought it was a really fun watch. Mm-hmm. Um, and if it has a second season, I'm not sure if it will. Probably, it was so good. Um, it is like you know Emma plus Gossip Ooh. Girl plus to all the boys I've loved before because the trope is like they ha- are pretending to be together, um, but then they actually fall oh. in love. <laughs> oh. The best trope. <laughs> so, um, a lot of unfamiliar faces. Uh, I don't. I the only actor I think I recognize was the girl from Dairy Girls. Oh yeah, um, me too. But really great performances, great like costumes, as most period dramas are known for. Um, and yeah, it's just super hot. Like, <laughs> love that. <laughs> Should I watch it just for that? I think you should watch it. I think you would really like it. Yeah. I I started the first episode and I was like, meh. But yeah, I I should give it another shot. Maybe I'll do that today. Yeah, I think you would love it. Um, Great kissing, great gowns. Like, there we go. (laughs) (laughs) Um, The second thing I'm into is a Korean drama that came out a while ago. Um, But I'm just getting into it. Um, It's called Crash Landing on You. Um, it stars, uh, Sonia Jin, who is from my favorite Korean drama, Something in the Rain, which absolutely crushed my soul into a million little pieces. Um, it destroyed me, but hopefully Crash Landing on You doesn't destroy me because I can't, I'm not emotionally in that space where I can take that. (laughs) Um, Mm. but the premise of the show is that a, uh, like, corporate ceo young woman is like testing out her line of sport gear and she pair is like paragliding and she or pair i don't know some sort of sport where she has like a parachute or something but she's swept up in a storm and flown into and she crash lands in north korea and and she is discovered by a north korean uh soldier who sort of like takes her in and uh it's um it's just it's interesting to see like a korean drama that like is about north korea because that's like never i like doesn't really happen um but it's also like a love story (laughs) so that and honestly i don't know how it will have a happy ending like i can't see like Mm. because because North Korea, <laughs> but I'm hoping that there is some way that they can find a way to be together. <laughs> I'm hopeful too. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. Um, and the third thing I'm into is puzzles inspired yeah. by you, sort of. Uh, you and Tim recently did the puzzle that we bought when I visited Houston the first mm-hmm. time. Okay, and puzzle. Tim posted it on his Instagram. And then I was like, I should, like, puzzles are something I should take more seriously. <laughs> So, yeah, same. I'm with you. Mm-hmm. I love a good puzzle. And to be completely transparent, that was our second puzzling attempt recently. Mm-hmm. We got a puzzle for Christmas that was, um, there's like this kind of famous like Japanese uh, print of like waves, mm-hmm. you know? And my mom gave us a puzzle version of that, mm-hmm. but it was a thousand pieces and it's literally all 
the same two colors. It's mm-hmm. either like blue or cream, uh-huh. and there's no other definition to it. Just yeah. blue and like a cream color. And it was so hard. We tried for hours, and we only had like a few pieces connected. And we were like, we just need a easier puzzle mm-hmm. to get our confidence up. Yeah. So maybe we'll return to it. It was really it needed. You needed like a team of people working. Right. On it. Yeah. You yeah. Yeah. A family. Yeah. I got so the one I got. I got with your sister, Jenny, who I've been hanging out with mm. a lot. Mm. God bless her, Angel, saving my life in Philadelphia alone. Um, <laughs> but we went to Dick Flick, and I got, um, like, a puzzle that has, like, a bunch of surrealist art on it, like, from Ooh. different artists, and, like, little illustrations of the artists, yeah. too. Um, so that's fun. I was working on that with Jenny, and I'll probably do some solo puzzling nice. this weekend. We'll see. Um, but now I'm like, I just want to collect pretty puzzles now. I like, I want to get into it, you know? Yeah. That's my, yeah. going to be my new thing. <laughs> I remember seeing a trailer for a, like an indie movie a couple years ago that had a woman who was really into puzzling. And I remember in the trailer, she's like, this is my thing. And her husband was played by Roy from the office. And he's like, I don't understand the puzzling, <laughs> like, like yelling at her. And then she falls in love with her puzzling partner. <gasps> Love that. Sexy. Oh, yeah. I maybe need to watch that movie. Yeah. Fine. Uh, well, look, I'll, I want to watch it. Gotta look it up. Yeah. Wow. So we're going to talk about two movies we really love today. Yeah. Like, I'm excited. Me too. <laughs> um, Kind of the theme that brought, that chose, made us pick these two Miyazaki movies is Miyazaki Bad Boys. <laughs> <laughs> and it was also uh, how Miyazaki's birthday this week, right? Oh, yes, his 80th birthday yeah. was um, just this week. So he's a Capricorn, Oh, which tracks to me whenever I read an interview with him. That's so... Capricorns are one of the signs that I don't know anything about. I feel like Sagittarius and Capricorn... Those winter months. Yeah, I just... I have, like, no mm-hmm. no clue what they do, you know? Well, maybe you'll get a better sense at the end of this episode. Yeah, hopefully. And I think that, well, I think both of these movies, too, it turned out to be a good choice for this week because mm-hmm. this week has been fucking stressful. So. You're right. You're right. This has been a really stressful week, and these movies are such escapes into more fanciful, magical worlds mm-hmm. where people have good character. Yeah. And love each other. Ah. Okay. <laughs> Let's jump in. Our first movie is Howl's Moving Castle from 2004. Um, Sophie is a shy, young milliner who considers herself plain and unimportant. When she encounters the wizard Howl while on her way to meet her sister, she is unwittingly drawn into her kingdom's war, which relies upon the magic of witches and wizards like Howl. One such witch, the Witch of the Waste, curses Sophie so that she will appear as a 90-year-old woman. Sophie starts working in Howl's moving castle as a cleaning lady. There she finds family in Markle, Howl's young apprentice, Calcifer, a fire demon who keeps the castle moving, and Howl himself. I'm like swallowing my words on the Howl. I'm like, Howl. Yeah, it's okay. A little hard um so this this is an adaptation of a book um by diane win jones uh that i read after seeing the movie i was like i gotta get me myself more mm-hmm. of yeah. this film <laughs> and the book is good but um when i was looking at one star reviews almost all of the one star reviews for this movie were angry book readers who were like this is nothing like the book they changed so much um it is a very different adaptation, but it's good, so I don't think there's any reason to gripe about it. Yeah, I think both the book and the movie are good. They they are very like different in certain mm-hmm. ways, but I think they're both so good on their own that it doesn't matter. 
I totally agree. And I think a lot of um, the changes kind of like streamline the story uh, in a good way. You know, in the book, for instance, Sophie's sisters have kind of like whole plots to themselves. Yeah. But this focuses on Sophie and I think Which that's I think, good. yeah. And it's like, there's room for it to do that in a book where you can give like different yeah, exactly. characters full plot lines, but mm-hmm. it's hard to do that in like an hour and a half movie. Or I have no idea how yeah. long this movie is, but... <laughs> because Sophie's like hero journey too is so important mm-hmm. and worth the time and what makes this movie so magical. Yeah. Yeah, I love Sophie. Um, this is my favorite movie. <laughs> I, I know. I think this is my favorite Ghibli movie. It's it's my favorite movie, period. Yeah. Uh, um, so, yeah, love Sophie. Sophie is on uh, my list of baby names <laughs> because of this oh. movie. <laughs> Which I is love that. kind of embarrassing to admit, but it is just like, it's the movie that if I can't fall asleep, I just like try and play in my head for memory. Mm. So I just, yeah, it's like definitely a comfort watch and mm-hmm. like perfect to me <laughs> yeah kens how would you describe sophie's character arc? um so she starts sort of like working at her father's um hat shop sort of alluded to that her father has died i think if not mm-hmm. explicitly said um and she sort of feels this like responsibility to keep working there, even though she's not super passionate about it. It seems like it's she relatable. <laughs> it seems like she doesn't uh, have like many close relationships. Um, kind of a loner. Kind of like will get lost in her work. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, then she meets Howl and literally is swept off her feet. <laughs> It's like instantly, uh, you she has like stars in her eyes for this man who like walks her in the sky and places her on a like port rooftop porch, and um, the chemistry is just instantly there, and um, mm-hmm. she it has a curse put on her by the witch of the waste and is sort of. I think her personality like instantly changes when that happens. Um, Mm -hmm. She starts like talking to herself at that point, which is sort of characteristic of uh, Chihiro's Mm -hmm. character too. Like they narrate in Spirit Away, they like narrate Mm -hmm. out loud sort of what's happening. And I think for Sophie in particular, it, I think they attribute it to her sort of like being old and trying to just like deal mm-hmm. with the trauma that has happened to her. But so she's instantly old. She's like going through this like trauma essentially, but she also is like, it can't get much worse. And so she, I think it like jolts her out of her like mm-hmm. kind of slumber that she has been in or like her like complacency in her lot mm-hmm. in life um and so she sets out on a journey to find someone to break her curse but she's also like you know i'm not afraid anymore because the worst thing has already happened to me but sorry i'm talking so much and just no. like describing the entire plot of the movie but she basically i think like learns to accept her emotions throughout mm-hmm. the movie and just gets a lot more confident um, 
And I think that is sort of like what inspires Hal to be braver as well, because mm-hmm. she he tells her to run away from him because he's afraid he's like this monster. But she's like, no, I'm not going to run away from you. I don't care. I love you. And mm-hmm. he's like, okay, well, I can't run away either. And I'm going to fight for us and our little family. Yes. Uh, did that even answer uh, the question? That was just me talking. Yes. <laughs> no, it is. It does. It, it does. And I think something um, interesting about Miyazaki's like heroines in particular, too, is that they really defy what I think a lot of other male creators would do to create, quote unquote, the dreaded strong female character. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. um, I think that like Sophie, for instance, her strength comes from a lot of like maybe soft soft skills Mm oh i just like stuttered so hard to say that like i was frightened (laughs) soft skills you know or like um kind of like womanly attributes to you know she is literally like the cleaning lady Mm -hmm. when she is introduced and she says you know jokingly to markle like i'm the worst witch i'm the kind that cleans Mm -hmm. um but uh miyazaki himself said that this is his favorite creation and he said um I wanted to convey the message that life is worth living and I don't think that's changed, mm-hmm. which I think is really beautiful. Mm-hmm. And um, another quote I wanted to read about the movie is from Petrana Radulovic, um, Radulovic in Polygon, who says that um, as the movie progresses, the scenes of normal domestic life, the cleaning, the market trips, the laundry, become all the more important as Hal begins to lose his grip on humanity. Sophie, Calcifer, and Markle, and this life that they've created inspire Hal to stay and defend it, which is really beautiful. Mm -hmm. And I think also um, something really special about Miyazaki films, too, or that the love stories in them come about because the people are like mutually benefiting each other Mm. and like mutually making each other better. Yeah. Which is like very special and I think important for kids to see. Yeah, I think so too. And I think that the love story, they do like, like you said, like uh, mutually benefit each other, but they also go on like their own individual growth journeys, Mm. which I also think is important. Um, They don't like rely. I, I think it's important that they, like their growth journeys don't rely on one another, I guess. Mm-hmm. Even though definitely. they they fit really well together. Yeah, and Sophie is definitely also a witch, which is not explicitly said in the movie. Mm-hmm. But I think like upon rewatches, you kind of pick up that Sophie has her own power, mm-hmm. um, like literally, and mm-hmm. that she can do things that normal people can't. Like mm-hmm. she can pick up calcifer and um, handle other magical creatures. Yeah. I think, and this is something I think about a lot. I mean, I just think about this movie a lot, but uh, in the book, Sophie sort of becomes a witch throughout the book, sort of, because Mm -hmm. she is talking out loud to herself and she talks out loud to like objects and went by Mm -hmm. speaking to them. She like speaks them to life. Yeah. And so I think that, um, in the movie that could be another reason why she's like talking to herself but um mm-hmm. i don't know i like that idea of like magic that it's like if you care about something you sort of like bring it to life almost yeah definitely i think the world the magical world introduced in this movie is so interesting and you really want to spend more time there mm-hmm. and um i like that like you were saying too like curses are kind of like a secret that you can't tell anyone mm-hmm. you know like that's the power of the curse mm-hmm. which is something that um 
I think in the film is kind of broken through creating bonds with people yeah. like the curses come apart because people are learn to be vulnerable with each other. Um, oh, and I love also to why we're tearing up that Sophie is a tearful heroine representation. You know, she cries throughout the movie. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> she just cries when anything is difficult or she's feeling it, which I really like. Um, and of course we should talk about Howl, who strikes a chord in all who watch this film as an ideal boyfriend, even though he has many flaws. <laughs> I would give it all up for how. <laughs> Definitely. And he is voiced in the English dub version by Christian Bale, who is doing his Batman voice, but with, I think, a lot more charm. It's like he's like, his voice is so like soft-spoken. It's like mm. every word is like a almost like a whisper. It's like every time yeah. is like a, he's sharing a secret with you. Yes. Yeah, I know. <laughs> and uh, in the original Japanese version, he's voiced by uh, like a, a pop star, I think, mm-hmm. uh, which I thought was also very fitting too mm-hmm. that he has that kind of yeah. rock star, pop star quality to him. Yeah, for sure. Um, I mean... Their love story is just so good, and I think the other thing that makes it really good is that Howell, like, kind of recognizes Sophie as special, too, yeah. which is, you know, that trope out there for lonely girls. <laughs> uh, he, you know, he makes her, with through his magic, like, her own special room, and really just, like, at many different opportunities throughout the movie, like, recognizes her special powers and qualities. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think at first, too, it's like he is maybe he's sort of just trusting because the reason that he seeks her out in the first place is because Mm -hmm. she went back in the past and was like, find me in the future or whatever, I think. Um, So he's sort of just like trusting that this is like the thing that he has to do, I think, like find her and like create this relationship with her. But I do think you're right in that like he Mm -hmm. he also like. I think it's not, I think it is, like, him discovering that she is, uh, like, (laughs) worthy of love, and that she discovers Yeah, they both are. They both discover that about themselves. (sighs) So special. I love the themes of found family as well, uh, kind of, something interesting, um, about both of these films is that the villains in the both movies are kind of not villains, which I think is also a common theme throughout his movies mm-hmm. is that like, there's no clear cut good or bad. Right. Um, and people kind of move between both in this film. It's the witch of the waste who starts out as this threatening figure who, you know, curses Sophie. And then she's kind of like nullified by the end of the movie and becomes like part of the family. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think he gives the audience the ability to see like how, like wicked people can be pitiable and childlike and then less scary. Right. She's also voiced by Lauren Bacall, which blew my mind when I first found that out. <laughs> but like does such a good job. I feel like every person yeah. is cast so well. You know, the sister is played by Kitty from Pride and Prejudice. Yeah. Jenna Malone. Yeah. <laughs> who's great. And then Josh Hutcherson, two Hunger Games yeah. alumna, uh, <laughs> is Markle, who's also very good. Uh, this is so funny. I read this on IMDb that how uh, Miyazaki and Lauren Bacall were both longtime fans of each other's work and met at a subtitled screening in New York and reportedly Bacall jokingly asked Miyazaki if he was married. <laughs> wow. And he also says something really complimentary about her um, uh, saying that she 
basically like he loved her performance mm-hmm. and that she really brought something to it that I think he liked that she kind of has like this gravelly voice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's an interesting kind of like subtext that felt very adult to me that I picked up on. And this may be me totally spitballing and way out of pocket, but um, kind of the other villain of the movie, Madame Sullivan, who's a powerful witch who works for um, the King and is kind of like sowing discord and uh, continuing this like senseless war. Mm-hmm. She has this implied, like, former relationship with Hal Mm -hmm. as his previous, like, mentor. Mm -hmm. And to me, it seems like it's a little bit of subtext that it's, like, was a romantic relationship. I think it was abusive. I thought that watching it this time, too, that I was like, I was like, was Hal abused as a kid? Because all of her, like, she has these, like, clone servants that are all, like, mini versions of Howl. And I was like, fuck, poor Howl. He was probably abused. And that's why he has weird, like, relationship issues and mom issues. Like, older women issues. Definitely. And she says some, like, weird things, too. You know, like, Mm -hmm. oh, I guess you finally found your true love, Howl, at the end of the film. Uh, very creepy. Yeah, uh, I had never read it until like that until this last like until watching it last night yeah. where I was like, shit. Yeah, I thought the same thing. I thought that was very uh, kind of like upsetting and mm-hmm. definitely gave Howl a bit more depth as a character too. Yeah. Um, yeah, and she's voiced by Blythe Danner, Gwyneth Paltrow's mom. Oh wow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, Billy Crystal also does a great job as Calcifer. Mm-hmm so much joy in that role mm-hmm. and one of the my favorite animations like mm-hmm. calcifer is so expressive and yes. fun to watch mm-hmm. another cool thing about this movie is that it is a kids movie and this is true for i think most of the studio ghibli movies is that it um they're kids movies that all kids will enjoy but adults can also mm-hmm. enjoy them a lot and roger Ebert in his review said um, many directors pitch their movies at 10 year olds and then claim they are for the whole family in quotes. Mm -hmm. Miyazaki makes a film that adults found fascinating at the Berlin Telluride and Toronto film festivals and claims it is for 10 year olds. Um, I think that like I did watch these movies as a kid. My mom like got us into them when Mm -hmm. I was super young Um, and I loved them when I was a kid. Um, but I still love them as an adult. And like I was just saying, like with Housewing Castle and just like seeing how as like maybe he was like abused as a mm-hmm. kid. Like I do every time I watch it, it like hits me in a different way, which I think mm-hmm. is just like a testament to how impressive the movie mm-hmm. is because I've seen them like so many times. Many times. Like, yeah. uh, and especially like Spirited Away too hit me in a different way too this mm-hmm. time, this rewatch. Um, and I just think it's like the, they're movies that you could come back to at any age, at any point in your life and like find something extremely meaningful and like helpful for you in them. Mm. Um, and that's why this is my favorite movie. <laughs> yeah. And we'll probably get into this more with Spirited Away. But I think something that makes him a very special filmmaker, too, is that he treats um children as kind of like fully realized Mm -hmm. individuals and people Mm -hmm. you know they're not these are not movies that talk down to kids Mm -hmm. they're frightening at times and have like kind of adult themes like you were saying Mm -hmm. but i think there's this expectation that kids are little people who can 
keep up with these issues and understand them in their own way, yep. which is why the films are so beautiful. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Well, let's jump into the one star reviews for this movie. The one star reviews that I picked out made me so mad. <laughs> uh, I can read the first one. Okay. Were we supposed to imagine he fell in love with Sophie or whatever her name was? Uh-huh. What with all their powerful scenes together and such? If they had a single scene together that indicated anything even approaching so much as friendship until the last five seconds of the film, I missed it. The two had no chemistry and acted as two strangers who happened to be in the same general vicinity. Just wrong. Just so wrong. All these one-star reviews are just, like, wrong. so wrong. I like, think that's your opinion? It's wrong. Yes. I, I mean... <laughs> I think that, like, they do have a lot of separate scenes, but I think that just adds to their, like, personal growth. And the chemistry, like I said, is instant. So, yeah, it's instant. And it's also, like, buildup of, you know, like, even just because they're not, like, talking to each other directly in a scene doesn't mean that the relationship is not building. Dude, every time Howell touches (laughs) Sophie, every time he touches her, I'm like, (gasps) I I, like, feel it. (laughs) Yeah. Even if it's like just a like hand on a shoulder, I'm like, oh god. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But the second one star review is the premise is downright awful: a castle, a woman who becomes an old woman, a flame, and a walking castle. Already, it's not looking good. But add to the fact that almost nothing happens in a lot of scenes. I had to fast forward through those areas where there wasn't any talking. (laughs) This person can only watch Gilmore Girls and. I know, I know. It's the the spirited away ones are even worse. Mackenzie, I don't even know why I will ask, but what is your rating for this movie? It's like an eleven. It is like my favorite. <laughs> it is literally my favorite movie. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's a ten for me. It's so good. Yeah, it made me cry. Like the whole second half of the movie made me cry. This last rewatch, I yes, watching it last night. Like this week was just super stressful. I, yeah. I'll say it again. <laughs> But I was just like typing it in and I saw yeah. the picture came up and I started to tear up from like uh, relief. I was just like, yeah. Uh, yeah, such a good movie. Anyway. Our next movie is Spirited Away from 2003. Is it 2000? I thought it was 2001. Maybe, oh, maybe that's the American version, like the release of the American version. I don't know. I could be totally wrong, but mm-hmm. I think it was 2001. Um, okay, I believe you. <laughs> uh, on their way to their new home, 10-year-old Jahiro's family takes a detour that leads them to a mysterious abandoned bathhouse. Jahiro is uneasy, but her parents quickly find a buffet of food. Chihiro realizes too late that they have crossed into the spirit world and her family is in danger. After eating the spirit food, her parents are transformed into pigs. To rescue them, uh, Chihiro must work in the bathhouse under the watch of the witch Yubaba and in the company of many mysterious spirits. Most mysterious among them is Haku, a boy who can transform into a dragon who may have met Chihiro before. Ooh, so this is, I'm definitely less familiar with Spirited Away than Howl. Because uh, mm-hmm. it used to scare the shit out of me as a kid. Yeah, I um, I don't know. I was just I never got super scared of it. I did like in third grade, which is why I think it well it was two thousand one because I think I was in third grade. Um, mm-hmm. Watched it for like a week on like every single Repeat. day after school. Oh my gosh! On DVD, devoted. <laughs> what got me is her parents being imperiled. Yeah. 
really stressed me out as a kid, mm-hmm. like that her parents are also kind of depicted not in a very noble or flattering manner. Mm-hmm. They're kind of like gluttonous and make stupid decisions and that's why they're punished. Mm-hmm. It was very stressful for me as a kid. Mm-hmm. And then also No Face really, really creeped me out. Yeah. Like a lot. I think, yeah, I think we've talked about this mm-hmm. in other episodes, but I forget which ones. Maybe maybe The, the Witch or something. <laughs> mm-hmm. But like how like par- like realizing that your parents are not, can like can also yeah. make mistakes and like sometimes don't know what mm-hmm. is going on is a super scary realization to have as a kid. Yeah. Definitely. And uh, this movie, kind of like uh, Howl's Moving Castle, is about like Shahiro as a heroine coming into her own. She really feels like a real like 10-year-old girl. Mm-hmm. Um, also read many quotes from uh, Miyazaki where he was like, this one's for the 10-year-old girls. Like specifically, he is <laughs> yeah. like, I, may- I wanted to make a movie for 10-year-old girls. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, and he was very concerned with her seeming like a realistic kid, um, mm-hmm. which she is. And a lot of the one-star reviews I was reading for this movie are like, she's so annoying. And I'm like, yeah, she's a 10-year-old girl. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It tracks. Yeah. And I mm-hmm. like, too, that her, like, uh, like, her growth or her, like, coming into her own mm-hmm. or, like, arc of maturity or whatever throughout the movie is pretty much... It's, like, very clear to me that it's about her gaining confidence and getting more courageous, mm-hmm. which I think is yeah awesome. Like, there are, I think, two scenes that really illustrate that are in the beginning where she just arrives to the bathhouse and she's instructed by Haku to go to the boiler room and she has mm. to make her way down these really steep, really uh, rickety oh. stairs and she's... Yeah very gingerly like taking each step down um the stairs and uh sort of just like sliding on her butt from each (laughs) stair to the next um but then at the end of the movie there's a point where she has to uh find haku because he's hurt and she is making her way similarly on the outside of the bathhouse um she like t- there's she like ties up her hair, ties up her pants, mm-hmm. and like runs across this pipe yeah. <laughs> that is like way more dangerous and mm-hmm. way more like it's just, just like a bad de- like mm-hmm. decision, I guess. Like, to, but it works, and she just does it, and she she has like no hesitation, and is just like this is what I have to do to like help my friend. Um, I think those are two. That's like a great like comparison to show just mm-hmm. how brave she's become and just more like confident, I guess, in her like mm-hmm. own decisions. And when she has to, she turns away presence from No Face um, yeah. and just stands up to Yubaba and the witch. The, the witch. Um, she becomes a lot m- more sure of herself, like more calm and like yeah. It's very yeah, she she does, and it, we're like introduced to her, and she is like moving, and she feels really anxious. Mm-hmm. And when they, when her parents start like exploring the abandoned like field, she's incredibly anxious, mm-hmm. and like it's very relatable. I was such an anxious little kid mm-hmm. too, me too, in that exact way. Um, Karen Hahn in Polygon points out that being a 
Ghibli Hero doesn't require superheroic deeds, which feels like a message that's rarely seen or done well in a lot of media. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's kind of like the accumulation throughout the movie of the different things that she's doing, like right. you mentioned, that make her heroic, not like one. She never has like a big Hollywood, like a no, right. you know, like moment where she stands up or does something um, like really big or noticeable. It's just like this gradual sort of tide change. Yeah. Um, which and is I so think lovely. That- I think too, like in this movie and in House Moving Castle, a lot of the, a lot of the decisions that are made aren't very clear cut. Like I sometimes mm-hmm. I don't fully understand the like thought process behind yeah. like Chihiro or Sophie making one of their decisions, but it's almost like we just have to trust that they know yeah. what they're do what they're doing, and I think that mm-hmm. just it like forces the viewer to place their confidence in the hero. Right. And I think that yeah. just you, you like, it's like you trust that they're mm-hmm. making the right decisions. And it's like almost a testament to how much they have grown in their own confidence because now you have confidence in their yeah. decisions. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, Tosh, that makes, that makes perfect sense to me. And Tasha Robinson kind of echoes that in Polygon as well. She says that the fairy tale elements of this story are familiar. It's the classic tale of a mortal child being stolen away into the fairy realm, which has its own magical logic. All of the usual fairy tale rules about the rewards of uh, courtesy and altruism still apply. Like, everything turns around for Shahiro when she instinctively helps the black soot creature with its heavy load, and her work in helping the river god also pays off. But the execution is still odd and unexpected. Being kind and considerate to No-Face turns it into mm-hmm. a uh, like a monster that devours people. Um, no matter how familiar the structure is, it's still a surreal movie, and I love that combination. Um, which is exactly like what you were saying, too. Uh, it, mm-hmm. it does have its like own internal logic that you have yeah. to trust. And makes it more dreamish in that way. Yeah, I think watching it this time, I was just like super struck, I guess, by by how how confident, how quickly Jihiro became so confident in her work. <laughs> Probably because I yeah. am currently feeling not confident in my work at mm. all. Um, so I I felt very like inspired by her i was like this 10 year old girl is like doing such a good job doing what she has to do to figure it out i don't know i i really like respected that mm-hmm. <laughs> i was like i need to take in Jahiro's uh confidence <laughs> yeah and again her confidence also it kind of comes from what we would associate with these kind of like, yeah. again, big quotes, like soft skills, mm-hmm. you know, like caring for others. You know, she kind of identifies that Haku, like Hal, is a yeah. boy who is kind of in like an abusive mm-hmm. uh, like work relationship in this instance, uh, you know, and um, is in danger. And she recognizes that and offers mm-hmm. him like vulnerability and help and care and, mm-hmm. you know, like like literally cares for him and um, helps him when he is physically hurt. Um, and the other thing that really struck me this time watching the movie, hi Twiggy, uh, <laughs> is, you know, when you're 10, you are starting to feel like romantic feelings for people, but they're very 
they're not like abstract, but right. they are not like you don't actually want a boyfriend. You know, like I can remember mm-hmm. being freaked out, like thinking about boys a lot. Yeah. But also being like, I don't I cannot talk to them. I, uh, you know, yep. I'm going to break up with my fifth grade boyfriend after one day because I can't handle this sort of commitment. Um, and so Haku, very kind of like, I think, wisely on the part of Miyazaki is not just a boy. He's also this like big, beautiful, yeah. <laughs> like fan- fantasy animal. He becomes a, a dragon who seems kind of has like a bit of features of a mm. horse and a dog and mm. like a sea creature. And there's a scene at the end of the movie where um, Shihiro and her friends are at the other witch's house and she hears someone at the door and she opens the door and it's like this big shot of Haku. He's recovered from his previous injuries. He looks amazing. He's in his dragon form and he looks amazing. Mm-hmm. And you know, she runs out and she hugs him and you're like, yeah, like little girls yeah. don't want a boyfriend. They want like a horse. Well, they want like you a know? magical want- fantasy. And that's you know? what he is. More than like a boyfriend where you have to worry about yeah. like holding their hand or something. Like <laughs> your bodies. Yeah, exactly. I thought that mm-hmm. was so wise upon this rewatch to give her like a love interest that is not an actual <laughs> boy. Yeah. <you> know? <laughs> yeah. It's like very apt, very apt understanding of yeah. 10 year old girls. Voiced by uh, Hottie <laughs> Banks the Cat. <laughs> James Marsden, who every time I read his name, I think it's yeah. James Marsden, like the actor uh, yeah, who's in like X Men and stuff. And I'm like, yeah. what? And then I realize it's him. <laughs> But yeah, what a voice. And I was laughing to Tim a little when we were watching last night. Like, okay, yeah. this is clearly an adult man's voice. But like, whatever. you. Yeah. Again, he's a dragon. <laughs> so he's not a real boy. Yeah. And their friendship yeah. is very chaste, too. Yeah. So nothing weird going yeah. on there. And they're just friends. Yeah. Uh, more cathartic weeping in this film. Shihiro cries a lot. Uh, I love yeah. showing that crying is okay and being vulnerable that. is okay. And another really, like love story that's about mutual growth, you know, Haku, like Hal, has to learn to be vulnerable and accept people in his life to love and yeah. care for him in order to break free from yeah. the bad bonds that he's created. Good message for boys and girls. Hmm. A lot of interesting stuff about memory in this movie, too. Like, they... Mm. Um, sort of need to remember the past to yeah to like like to be able to move on i guess Mm -hmm. which i thought was interesting that's a really good point that they yeah they're kind of like trapped in the same way in how that kind of like the curse is used too you know that like you Mm -hmm. can't talk about the curse or you can't like fully remember who you are in this movie um in order you have to be able to in order to leave the the spirit realm I'm like, maybe we need a sequel to this movie. <laughs> I have looked up, like, fan art of them, like, meeting again in oh. high school or something, where they're both in cute little uniforms. Uh, so cute. <laughs> so cute. This movie has a lot of, like, pretty scary elements, too, like I, we were mentioning earlier with the parents, not only, but No Face really freaked me out as a kid. He mm-hmm. seems, like, my gut instinct being frightened of him as a child is my dog will not stop growling at me while holding her toy and just like staring at me. Leave twig. It's okay. Um is that No Face seems like an adult with a weird interest in Shahiro, you know? Like yeah. that's to me like the gut reaction to it is that yeah. she is 
not into it. She doesn't want to talk to him, really. She doesn't want to mm-hmm. accept his weird att- attention and gifts, you know? Yeah. So that yeah. is very frightening as a kid, too. Yeah, I think so, too. It is frightening, too. I think and this just goes hand in hand with, like, the parents not being mm-hmm. part of the picture, really. is just, like, a kid having to make all those mm-hmm. decisions and, like sort of being the caretaker at the end she's sort of the main caretaker of no face who becomes mm, sort of more childlike yeah the literal baby <laughs> uh she sort of is just like the one holding it all together and i think it's scary to think as a kid that you have to be the one to do that mm. uh because you hopefully have been taken care of mm-hmm. um but it also, like you were saying at the top of that uh, episode, like it also shows respect for kids because they mm-hmm. are capable. They are like, hu- like humans. <laughs> like they <laughs> they're like little like, people, you know. They're just yeah. They're exactly. It's funny too. It's like as a child, it's not like you become more emotionally developed as an adult. It's like you have everything. You have, mm-hmm. you know, everything is there. You know, you have all the same emotions you do as an adult. You just, like, have less of a vocabulary almost Mm -hmm. to sort through them. So, Mm -hmm. um, yeah, this movie, it's just, uh, you can, again, like we said, like, you can just really tell that he understands kids. um, Mm -hmm. And it's still good for adults upon repeat viewing. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Mm -hmm. Because I think anyone can get inspired by, like, Chihiro's growth journey mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah etc you know definitely definitely uh i can speaking up for yourself at work yeah going on your own adventures and journeys <laughs> <laughs> there's one one star review for this movie and as i was reading it last night i commented in the doc oh my fucking god because it's just so <laughs> atrocious it's so bad <laughs> um here we go I watched this movie at the recommendation of a trusted friend, but I am afraid I have to confess that this is one of the worst films I have yet come across. The animation technique is technically well executed, but the plot got spirited away in the process. At every instant, new, completely unmotivated themes come up. Certainly imaginative, quote, but not, quote, creative, unquote, as another friend put it very succinctly. The beginning is intriguing and raises high expectations, but I cannot help but think that the writer and director increasingly lost any sense of what the film should be about. Throughout most of the second half, so-called evil, quote, stink spirits, unquote, run around vomiting nonstop, mildly amusing to watch, and towards the very end, the film deteriorates into a sentimental, unoriginal story of true love and a misunderstood, wrongly resented witch. Oh my god, what a complete waste of time. Has a person ever been so wrong before? No. I, I... The thing about this review that really, like, makes me fucking angry is that that you can tell the person writing this was like, I'm smart. I'm taking (laughs) this movie down. But, like, this is a person that I would never want to be friends with, too. You know, that, Mm -hmm. that, like, a story that they say is about true love and a misunderstood, wrongly resented witch. Like, yeah, guess what? Like, that's what most stories, not the witch part, but, like, you know, like... (laughs) It just also seems like this kind of, I almost want to say like, uh, I don't know, like an over-reliance on plot too, like wanting plot Mm -hmm. to be like point A to point B to point Mm -hmm. C. It doesn't mean a movie is good, you know? Uh, Right. It it means that you're being like spoon-fed, you know? Yeah, exactly. And it, to me, it's just 
this person just couldn't keep up with this movie. Yeah. And like, so less smart than you think you are. Exactly. <laughs> like introducing lots of unmotivated themes. Like, what are you talking about? It's all like one theme, you know, <laughs> <laughs> it's one theme. Uh, yeah. So annoying. Twig, do you agree? Wait, Twig, do you want to say something into the microphone? Can you hear her at all? I thought she, her heavy breathing might pop up like ASMR style. <laughs> Oh my gosh! What is your rating for Spirited Away? Um, uh, a a ten too. I mean, I it's not my favorite like Howls, just because Howls I think hits me. It's just like, yeah, I don't know. More specifically, it, calibrated towards, <laughs> yeah. But I do love like Spirited yeah. Away. It's like one of my favorite movies. Um, so still a ten. Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna give it a nine. Um. I still really like it a lot. This is my first time watching it in a really, really long time, too. And I'm glad I'm kind of able to enjoy it without the anxiety I felt as a kid watching it. Mm, yeah. Um, definitely. Well, what a journey we've been yeah. on today. <laughs> yes. So good. I think that there are, of course, a lot of other things to say about these movies, like how about like they're anti-capitalist, anti-war. Yeah. Um, but I think that on our podcast, we focus a lot on, you know, mm-hmm. things that like emotions and like, yeah. I, which I think that a lot of other critics might not necessarily do. So mm-hmm. whatever. Yeah. We like talking about feelings. Yeah, so. exactly. We're a feelings heavy podcast. So yeah, <laughs> that's our brand. <laughs> exactly. Well, uh, Chick Flicks is researched and written by Bridget Hovell and edited by Mackenzie Chapman. Many thanks to Tim Grieve Carlson for our music. And our next episode will air on January 25th, and we will be discussing, discussing The Craft and The Covenant. Ooh. <laughs> Sexy teens with magic. You can follow Chick Flicks on Instagram and Twitter at Chick Flicks Pod and email us at chickflickspodcast at gmail.com and leave us a review.